My name is Noah Raver, uh, and I will be helping lead today, Sunday School. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we are talking about the doctrine of God right now. It's kind of going through a series of um, different doctrines, doctrines of God, a doctrine of Scripture. We did that a few weeks ago, and we'll be going through uh, soteriology, uh, creation, uh, covenants, all that good stuff. But today, we're going to start on the second part of the doctrine of God. So thank you all for coming. Um, yep, come on in. <laughs> we'll start with a, a word of prayer, so bow with me. Father God in heaven, um, we come before you today uh, humble, uh, trembling. We are in awe before who you are, Father. And we ask that you would uh, speak to us today, Father, through uh, our words, through this message, Father, through this time together. Help us to understand you more, though we will never fully understand you. And help us to glorify you, Father, with our actions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so if you have the notes, you guys, um, last week we were talking more about just kind of who or what God is, kind of the ontos of God, Isaac led, uh, it was kind of the names of God, God is Trinity, right? Um, but when you think about a person, just like a friend or whatever, I got my twin brother over there, what's up twin? Uh, you can know somebody as a name, Nathan is Nathan to me, but you can also know someone through their actions, how they interact with you, right? There are kind of two parts to that. Um, how do I know them? Like what, they're, uh, they're a father, they're a carpenter or whatever, but it's an entirely different thing to go and work alongside that person see them in their action, right? See them how they interact with you. A father interacts with a son uh, in a specific way, and that's how you know, hey, this is a father, right? Uh, even though his title is father, uh, that means nothing unless you know and have seen the way he interacts with uh, a son. So today, I'd like to just kind of move on into how does God interact with us? We know that God is Trinity. We know God's name, Yahweh, I am who I am, uh, Isaac, helped us understand really well that God, in a sense, is unknowable. We never will know fully everything about God. It's, it's, it's sort of an enormous topic. That is, um, it's, yeah, we won't fully fathom who God is, and there are a lot of mysteries to God. But, uh, as we'll see today, uh, he does interact with us in very real, tangible uh, ways. So, if you want to look at the notes here, um, we have just a little... Uh, quotation from the Westminster Shorter Confession. Uh, God is sovereign. Okay, there are two kind of massive caveats that I want to start with here before we actually talk about the way God interacts with us. Two massive things, okay? First of all, we need to understand immediately that, that God is... according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And there are some verses there that they bring up. And then question eight in the confession says, how does God execute his decrees? He executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. So we'll move into Job 1 to 6 here, just as a little scripture um, uh, reference for this. Uh, they had some references there in question seven, but could someone read Job 1 to, 1 to 6, chapter 1, 1 to 6? Just to see this in action, his sovereignty. 
let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, keep going. That's where I wanted to end. Twelve. Thank you. <laughs> Spirit's leading. Um, so this is a hard text, obviously. Um, but I just want to open it up to, for discussion, just right here. Um, what we see here in this text, um, Satan coming to God, this kind of image of God, allowing that to happen, right? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Suggesting it. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does that mean for us? Just seeing how God interacts with that. What are your, your thoughts, maybe your past experiences with thinking about this aspect of God. Uh, is this the first time you guys read Job? <laughs> Probably not. Um, how does that strike you? To see God allowing that. So here, um, it seems as though Job already has chosen to, to follow, if you will call it that way, um, God. It seems that Job is a, a man who is blameless um, and who is upright. Uh, it seems here that that's not really what's at stake is him choosing to follow God. It seems what's at stake is his health, wealth, and happiness, right? Um, it seems that that's what's at stake here, that God is, well, not, that God is allowing the devil to, to have a hand in. Um, and that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you go on to read the rest of Job, um, and it comes to a point where Job cries out to God, why? Just, why? Like, just answer me. Just answer me. Uh, like a, I summon you like a judge to a court. Uh, I present my case to you. Why are you letting this happen to me? And God doesn't even 
dignify it with a response, really. His response is, who are you? Do you see all that I see? Do you see the depths of the ocean, <laughs> the depths of the sea, the animals I feed every day? It's incredible, yeah, when we consider God's sovereignty. So before we even talk about how God interacts with us, miracles, um, movings of God, the spirit gifts, all that fun stuff that's involved in God's interaction in our world, the ways we see God actually moving today, because he's still alive and well, we believe that, we'll get into that, we have to understand we don't have the final say. We don't get to boss him around. Yeah, that's right. So that's hugely important, and I want to I press into that before we go anywhere else. Um, second thing, he is sovereign. Okay, second thing here in the notes, as you can see, he works for his own glory. This is another aspect that might be a little shocking um, when we first think about it. I know for me, it was really hard to understand at first, and still is. Um, actually, one of our theological distinctives, I'll just read it here. Uh, I have it quoted on the sheet. This is one of our theological distinctives here at GCF. Uh, it says, Scripture presents the all-glorious triune God. We just spoke about that last week. Um, who is God? He is Trinity as the source and end of all things, Romans eleven thirty six, sovereignly working all things according to his will. At the center of God's purposes in the world is the exaltation of his glory through the redemption of sinners. To this end, we believe that God sovereignly and unconditionally elects men and women to be saved in order to display his immeasurable grace and glory. God's sovereign grace and salvation humbles us, fills us with gratitude, and compels us to worship him and share the message of his grace to all people. Um, let's just read Ephesians 1, um, uh, 11. It's quoted there in our confession, and I want to read that. I think it does provide good um, backing for this. If someone wants to read that, go ahead. Whoever gets there first. Why don't we read Romans 11.36 as well while we're at it? We've got a little bit of time. Hmm. So here now we're starting to see God is sovereign, his sovereignty and we'll get more into that, just the expanse of his sovereignty. Just in studying this, uh, this last week, I was blown away once again at the expanse uh, of, of his, and the depths of, of his sovereignty, all the aspects of life that it pertains to. But here we see he's sovereign, and not only is he sovereign, but he uses that sovereignty for what? His glory. Right? Um, and actually there's, a lot of difficulty in that because what happens when we want something and we think it's good for us <laughs> and it's nice and happy and makes us feel good and it's not glorifying to God. 
right? And then he asks us to worship him on top of that. <laughs> he says, worship me. Everything I'm doing is for my glory. He's jealous for his own glory. Everything he does is sovereign hand that does whatever he pleases. No one can change his mind. And it's all because, and he, whatever he does, even when he says no to us, our prayers, it's for his own glory. And he just wants us to worship him. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a quote here that I think is really, kind of points to maybe the, the crux of this issue with his, his sovereignty and the way he works for his own glory. Michael Prowse um, he quoted this, and it was like a book, a book review in like the LA, like the London Times or something. I think he's like an economist or something. Not like a theo theologian, but this is what the world sees, you know? <laughs> and I think it's, it's really interesting. He says, worship is an aspect of religion that I always found difficult to understand. Suppose we postulate an omnipotent being who for some reason, inscrutable to us, decided to create something other than himself. Why should he expect us to worship him? We didn't ask to be created. <laughs> Our lives are often troubled. We know that human tyrants puffed up with pride crave adulation and homage. But a morally perfect God would surely have no character defects. So why are all these people on their knees every Sunday? Is he right? Is our sovereign God who does whatever he pleases for his own glory, to glorify himself, is he arrogant? So just even selfishness itself, um, like you, you think of, of what is selfishness, right? And this quote, like he talks about human tyrants, right? Puffed up by, um, what is it, pride, they crave adulation and homage, right? You think about, I don't know, the egotistical maniacs of the world that are just all about themselves. You know, why? I mean, what is different between God's um, craving for adulation and homage and someone like I say 
Hitler or whatever, someone who just wants all the power. What's the difference? Go ahead, Derek. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And so even just like arrogance itself, right? Like we are all arrogant. But is it arrogant? Like Kobe Bryant, right? or LeBron James, some ridiculous basketball player. Dude can say, I ball. Like, he can say that. He can say, I'm a, I'm a very good basketball player. That's not arrogant. That's the truth. Arnold Schwarzenegger, back in his heyday, man, he can say, I am one of the strongest dudes on the planet. Yeah, that's not arrogant. Just be real. Right? The Hitlers of the world, the arrogant tyrants of the world, they ask for adulation, they ask for homage, they ask to have all the power. They don't deserve it. They're not worth it. You, you said it earlier. God is actually the creator of everything. He really is. Who are we to say you're arrogant? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, claim what's rightfully yours. Claim it. And we get into to, to Jesus, right? God came down incarnate in the flesh. He gave honor where honor was due. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give him his taxes. He wasn't a hypocrite either, in it? <laughs> and then also give to God what is God's. 
my worship, my life. That is God's. Jesus Christ gave taxes to Caesar. That, okay, whatever. That's the, the thing you had to do. That's the law. But give to God what is God's. Yeah. We don't. That's exactly right. So two very important things. <laughs> I know this is hard, and it's hard for me. I grew up in Reformed circles, um, and it's still, it's, it's one of those aspects which is just so profound. Um, and we need to understand these things before we start asking about the rest, you know. Where do we see miracles? Where do we see God working in the world? Splitting of the seas. There are so many. I mean, the temptation in this, when they gave me this topic, my temptation was just to be like, let's just sit down and watch uh, a, a video presentation about all the cool ways and miracles that God has done. He split the sea and manna from heaven. Like, those are cool. God is powerful. But yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> be really fun. We should do that another time. We should do that next Friday. Uh, what y'all doing? Uh, but... At the end of the day, like, what are miracles? <laughs> what is splitting the sea? If not something that God chose to do because he chose to do it and something he chose to do because he chose to do it because he wanted us to see his glory and power and worship him for it. Yeah, save his people. Yeah, bring about salvation and all that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. That's really actually. Let's move into the the second part of it, um, because that's actually really good transition. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There's. Often that as well, misunderstanding of how does God interact with the world and creation, right? He is sovereign and even over the forces of evil. Like the devil had to ask permission. Like Satan had to ask permission. That's really good. So let's move into actually the second part here on the, sec on the other side of the page. Um, just his providence, right? So that first quote from the Westminster uh, Shorter Confession talks about the decrees um, of God. Okay, that's the, this, this is a distinction here. The decrees are what he foreordains, right? what he foreknows, and then how does he execute his decrees? He executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. So let's just define now uh, providence, um, right? The decrees are what he foreknows. Providence is what he actively does now, right now in the world. Um, and there are kind of three different subcategories of his providence, three different areas that that uh, affects in our lives every single day. Uh, first being preservation. Uh, this is kind of just classically the theological terms uh, that you'll see in books like Systematic Theology by Gr Wayne Grudem. It's kind of the classical terms. Uh, first is preservation, a uh, little spot for notes there, if you have a pencil. If not, Lord will help you remember. <laughs> um, he keeps all created things existing. It's pretty self-explanatory. He preserves things, right? He keeps all uh, created things existing. Can we read, someone wants to read uh, Hebrews 1.3, if you could. Just a few verses here. 
Thank you. Upholds all things. And then Colossians 1.17, if someone wants to read that. Whoever gets there first, go ahead. All things hold together. Not a breath do we breathe, but by the hand of God. Uh, the second uh, ways providence is seen uh, in our world is concurrence. He cooperates with created things in everyday action. Uh, someone want to read? Actually, let's just read all of these. Uh, I need someone to read Ephesians 1.11, because this is re- where it gets really crazy. Like, it's going to blow your mind. It blew mine, really, um, studying this. It's just insane, incredible, unfathomable how deep his power is it, uh, how deep his sovereignty is embedded in our world, how many things he controls. Can I have Derek, you want to do Ephesians 1.11? Someone else, Psalm 148? Raise your hand if you want it. Whoever wants it. Yes, test, thanks. Uh, and then Matthew 10.29. Attaboy, Ben. Proverbs 16.33. Proverbs, thank you. Yeah. Job 12.23. That'll be the last one. Alrighty. When you are ready, uh, Derek, Ephesians 1.11. Works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now we'll get into every little aspect. What does that mean, all things? It's in parentheses here, um, what these verses talk about. But let's just read them. Psalm 148.8. Sure. Inanimate creation. The snow and the wind obeys command. Jesus, we saw that in his life. He is sovereign over creation and inanimate objects. Matthew 10, 29. Proverbs 16.33. Job 12.23. Hmm. Do you not see God is in everything? You can't get away from it. <laughs> He directs every little thing on this planet. Why do we so often forget that? How does God interact with this world? In everything. I can't breathe without God interacting. He could take my breath away right now. Our God is so much greater than we realize. Absolutely. But when you, when you don't see it, when you live your life in the natural, mm. you think, oh, that's something God can do, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
that's why the doctrine of Scripture was so important that we go over that first and foremost. And as you said last week, he, he only reveals himself as much as he desires in his word and in the life of Jesus Christ, which we see in his, in his word, right? That's what he's given us. That's it. <laughs> we only get to know him s- that much, as much as he chooses to reveal himself. But he does reveal himself powerfully and immensely, and we get to ponder these incredible, incredible truths. Um, last one is government. Um, his providence, uh, third aspect of that is government. He directs things, okay? So there's definitions there. Let me just restate that if you didn't get the notes. Preservation, he keeps all created things existing. Concurrence, he cooperates with created things in every action. And government, he directs them, those created things, to fulfill his purposes. Uh, let's read uh, Romans, uh, let's do Philippians 2, 10 to 11. Whoever gets there first. There it is again. All these things, all these ways he interacts with creation in every little aspect, inanimate objects, animals, chance, a rolling of a dice, God controls that, all to fulfill his glory, all so he gets worship. And this is not a few things, okay? There are a few things that this is not. Uh, Number one, deism. Okay, the definition there is God created the world and then let it go. That's not what this is teaching. Okay? He didn't just, whoop, create, and then it's all up to whatever. Nope. We just saw. He, He controls everything. This is not pantheism. Creation, which would be the thought that creation does not have a real distinct existence in and of itself, but only is part of God. That's pantheism. Everything is God, right? That's not what this is either. God, God really does exist outside of this creation, but is intimately involved in every aspect of it. This creation is not God. A tree is not God. A tree grew because of God, and continues to live and be fed by the rains and the soil because of God, but it is not God. At a certain point, as you said last week, he's infinite. At a certain point, there was no physical creation, and God was. He just was. And that's a mystery, but that's what the Bible tells us. And it's not determinism. That third thing there is that things are just determined by fate. Some, you just don't know. Nope. <laughs> God determines things. God interacts with our world in every aspect. Without being the world itself, without being actual creation. It's, you know, God is separate. Um, also, this is not two other things. God is responsible for evil. That's not what's happening here. Romans 9 Uh, Verse 19 to 20. If someone wants to read that, I think that'd be helpful. Whoever gets there first. Yeah, go ahead, Jesse. Thanks.
So we see God allowing, as well, and Job as well, okay, so if we can if we go back to that as well, we see God allowing things to happen without being responsible for it, the evil that Satan does um, following that um, allowance. Also, with all of this providence, we can also say, we cannot also say that prayer is not important. He could have made a system in which we don't have to pray and God just does whatever he's going to do when he wants to do it because he wants to do it. I mean, he could have done that. He could have made a system that, that, that works that way. We don't have any real actual involvement in it and we, we just kind of sit there and then miracles pop up or uh, things pop up and uh, people are converted like that and okay, sweet, that, that could have happened. It would have been kind of, uh, honestly, selfishly, it would have been kind of easy for me. I, I kind of would have liked that. <laughs> that means I wouldn't have to get on my knees every single day. But he didn't do that. James 4, 2 says this. I'll read it. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Prayer is important. John 16, 24 as well. Talks about prayer, asking the Father for things. And he does listen. He listens to our prayers and in his system, which he is sovereign, over in his system, which he knows all things, is intimately involved in all things, he works out all things for his glory, he actually chose to involve prayer. Our prayers, let's say, for example, I'm just going to use healing because that's kind of the, the big deal, right? When we talk about God interacting with the world, we just want to see miracles. At least that's where I grew up. That's when I thought of God interacting with the world. So let's say you pray for a miracle. It happens. Praise God. Praise Jesus. That prayer just so happened to be the prayer that God foreknew would happen, and he ordained that would happen, that would be the means by which that miracle would come to pass. And he didn't have to do that. He, he could have just made it so no one pray, just be, you know, don't worry about it. I got you. I'll do what I'm going to do, and just buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to happen. <laughs> Miracle's popping up. But no, he asked us to pray. And that's real. <laughs> From our perspective, it doesn't look all that different. You can get into the debate of like Calvinism, Arminianism. It doesn't look all that different on the ground level. And we can talk about all these things, but uh, at the daily ground level, pray. Believe that your prayers are going are, are, are to be listened to, heard, answered. Sometimes the answer is a no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had to deal with that myself. <laughs> And it hurts, <laughs> doesn't it? But our God is sovereign and he deserves that we submit to that answer, right? So uh, I'm just going to open it up for discussion here. I know that's a lot, so give me your thoughts. Throw them at me.
Yeah, and you said as well in that God is good. And that's another one of his attributes. Just who is God? What is God? He is love. He is the essence. Love is God. We wouldn't, God. we wouldn't know love without God being love and good, goodness. Yeah, that's, thank you. Any other aspects of that that, that are challenging?
In case you didn't hear that, she said just waiting on that response from God is really hard. The impatience, I get that, yeah. Did you have something to say? No? Oh. <laughs> you know, God is sovereign over that. <laughs> God allowed that. <laughs> he knew that was going to happen. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I, jokes aside, for real, though, it's insane. God is so powerful. Yeah, go ahead, Jesse. I love your analogies, Jesse. <laughs> so good. Yeah, man. Amen. And that actually, let's, let's go on to just the last part here. The prime example of all of this, right? We cannot talk about how God interacts with the world without talking about God coming into the world. I mean, we've been waiting for it this whole time. Let's get to it. Jesus Christ was real. <laughs> he was real. My girlfriend Katrina over there went to Jerusalem for a year and literally could see with her dang eyeballs the empty tomb. You could tell us all about it. It's incredible. Talk to her. She has the stories. It's amazing. It was real. You can't deny that. And he claimed things. What did he claim? Look at John 14. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the count of the works themselves. God walked amongst us. Isaac, thank you. God is. The Father is not God the Son. He says, I am in the Father. I am not the Father. In the Father, there is a mystery. And talk to Isaac. He, he was teaching on that. <laughs> he knows better. <laughs> he knows the answer. There's a one-word answer for that one, right? At least that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a mystery, man. But Jesus was God incarnate. When we look at Jesus... We do get to see how God interacts with the world. He humbled himself. 
took on flesh. Talk about fear in, 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 in God allowing all these things, even Satan, to do his works. Oh, I don't know. What, is God good? Yeah. Look at Jesus. Our God took on flesh and died the worst death you could ever imagine. He is good. He is love. He is compassion. And he is interested in being intimately involved in our creation and bringing about the salvation of his creation. First of all, he is God. And then second of all, here, John 10, we see once again, once again, his sovereignty and his desire to work for his own glory. Look what he says. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Why would Jesus choose to lay down his life if he really has that much authority? Our God is good. We can trust him, even though he is sovereign and even though he is all about his own glory. Anything he does, the miracles he allows to happen, and we at this church believe in miracles. We are not cessationists. We do believe that God is still alive and well. He can still do miracles. He can still do incredible things. But if he does, it ain't because you impressed him. It ain't because you deserved it. I, it's hard, but yeah, go ahead. Well, it's just like the whole idea, right? Like prayer is like a relationship for us. Yeah. And we see in Jesus, we see that relationship as well. We see God coming to be with his people intimately. We, come, we see the promises that he made of this coming come to fruition, right? His sovereignty and all of that thousands of years before speaking these things, prophecies, covenants, um, right? All these things that he was sovereign over even back then. He knew the plan. And finally, we see in Jesus, God interacting with his creation in the most incredible, humbling, intimate way, and in the most uplifting of his sovereignty way, if I can say it that way, confirming his sovereignty, the promises he made 
Someone said once there's over like 200 different prophecies that Jesus fulfills, some of which are impossible to fulfill on your own, being born where he's born. How can you control that? Like, that's God, right? So what is our response? What is our response? Our response. Just here in, in, in conclusion, John Piper, um, a lot of this kind of seeing God from this way is, for me, was in the resources on the bottom of the page there, you'll see desiring God, meditations of a Christian hedonist. Hedonism is just the desire for one's pleasure, right? It's not actually a great thing. The connotation behind that is someone who's extremely arrogant and self-centered and all about their own pleasure, right? That's a hedonist. However, he kind of takes that title and I guess flips it for Christianity, Christian hedonism, right? Being, uh, God being all about his own glory, right? Um, and so a lot of this um, was John Piper's uh, helped me to kind of see God in a different way. Uh, he said this, he is most glorified. It's kind of the tagline of desiring God, his ministry. He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What is our response? Just a few minutes here for open discussion on how this affects us. Hmm. What is, define that, worship. <laughs> yeah, well, and there are other sessions as well, don't worry. We'll have five sessions on worship. It's all right, sorry. Ephesians 4, yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. I know. <laughs> I, yeah.
Sorry? Yeah. He's the potter, we're the clay. And even in, um, yeah, in our lives, so evangelism, right? Speaking about, like, talking about salvation, uh, I focus more on <coughs> his sovereignty and all the different aspects of life that that affects because salvation is under that, <laughs> right? You see God's sovereignty in the coming of Jesus, the promises and all that stuff, and because obviously we will talk about salvation on its own. However, um, going and making disciples, right? Even that, like, people's salvation is in God's hands. I think it's uh, Second Timothy where he talks um, to Timothy about, um, or is it first? First or Second Timothy? He talks ab- uh, to Timothy about not being uh, timid, um, going and um, speaking the gospel to people, knowing that they just might well be the elect. <laughs> it, it, a lot of people think, oh, well, okay, if God controls all of this, then I don't have to do anything. Well, it's quite the opposite, actually. There's a comfort in that. I can go speak to someone who's got a massive mohawk and a face tattoo. Uh, it just seems completely against the gospel. He hates Christians. And my little brother, Colby, he, was, he just got a haircut the other day. Literally, he was saying it. He was talking to this guy, uh, kind of about Jesus for a little bit. And the guy was packing a gun, cutting his hair. And had like pink nails and clearly hated Christians. I can go talk to those people. I can tell them about Jesus. Because I know, ultimately, I ain't, my words aren't going to save that person anyway. I could say the smallest little thing. Hey, man, all I know is, I'm Christian. I know you hate Christians, but all I know is, I was born evil. I, no one taught me to steal. No one taught me to lie. I'm, I'm not good, and I need help, and Jesus is it. And that can be, that's literally all I need to say. The rest is in God's hand, because he is sovereign over that. There is confidence even in, in, in evangelism, it affects everything, I think. Um, and our worship is everything. It is our lives. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Your lives are a living sacrifice to our sovereign God for his glory. What a glorious thing to be his creation and to be part of this beautiful play, the goal of which is to glorify him. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, we are so humbled by you. Father, sometimes we're hurt (laughs) because we don't want to admit it. (laughs) God, we don't want you to be sovereign. We don't want to give up control. But take control over that. Eradicate those thoughts from our minds and our hearts and our souls as only you can. And help us to be satisfied in you so you can be most glorified. Father, we ask that for the rest of the day, Father, we would see your sovereignty in all these things and worship you for it and live practical responses to it, serving you with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.